Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to a special episode of the Roman's Empire podcast. Yes, I said special because we're one of the only podcasts that's releasing content during the international break. Um, we put in those extra so, hours for you guys. Yeah, it's in, in no days off. Extra hours because there's so much going on in the Chelsea world right now. I mean, I, th I think the biggest story is like Cho and Ross Barkley just balling up, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Andres, how are you doing, man? Man, I am doing pretty well. Uh, I As just a got Venezuelan, you are doing really oh, well. Oh, yeah. We beat Argentina 3-1. to one. Unfortunately, it was just a friendly. Given everything for it to be a World Cup qualifier. But <laughs> on another note, I just got a call earlier today from a buddy at work, and I'll be going to the USA versus Chile game tomorrow. Sick. Nice. In Houston. So oh, nice. pretty excited. I get to benefit a little bit from the international break. So hoping that I can get a good game. And as my – this would be the first game I get to watch the U.S. live, and it just happens that I've also become an American, so it's also a, a nice little nice little uh, pride moment, I guess. I get to rock a kit and feel It better be a Pulisic kit, right? You're going to get a Pulisic? No, no, no. Matt Miazga. He's my favorite <laughs> Chelsea player. That's, That's true. Yeah, Matt Miazga. What about uh, Kyle Scott? Anybody? Mm, no, that guy's represented like five countries, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if he's good enough to make the the U.S. team. Is he? I mean, where is he now? Is he still doing his thing in the in the youth system? I'm gonna I look have him no up. idea. I'm actually really curious about that. The only time I see his name is when I play FIFA and he's on the reserves. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So speaking of reserves, uh. FIFA, they set a date for uh, Chelsea to appeal the their transfer ban, uh, so they're going to be reserving it for a different time. You like you like that transition? Uh, wow, they're nice. actually a little forced, but. <laughs> <laughs> so on uh, April 11th, Chelsea will have the opportunity to plead their case in the hopes to get the ban overturned. So this essentially it, it does not mean that the ban is postponed. So Chelsea are still expected to approach the Court of Arbitration for Sports in order to postpone the ban. Uh, so Chelsea can sign players this summer, meaning if the ban, if, if it is upheld, will actually begin in January. Um, Andreas, I know you're pretty uh, well-versed in what's going on with the situation. Um, how, how are you feeling about our chances of having the ban postponed? And if there's anything else you wanted to add on to that? Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think... FIFA didn't do themselves any favor by recently. Um, I think they recently responded like right away to PSG's allegations and said nothing was wrong. So I think they've kind of shot themselves in the foot and this is their chance to kind of be like, okay, we've set a president. Yeah, Maybe we treatment. can delay it. So there's a chance for them to fix what they did wrong. It's FIFA though. They're corrupt as hell. FIFA and UEFA and the FA, everyone hates Chelsea, so I'm not getting all of my hopes up. But like I said, I think it's a step in the right direction. It's in April, so it still gives them time to mull over it before the window. So, yeah, I mean, before this, I would have said, don't even bother. It's not happening. But this does give me a bit of hope. You know, everything I've been reading has been positive about this, right? So most of the stuff I've been I, I, I've been seeing and educating myself on has said more likely than not Chelsea will get the ban postponed if things play out accordingly right but there's still that what if factor right 
And what if the ban doesn't get postponed? I think that's the more important question because that means we have to completely change our planning. Uh, Basically a complete 180. If the band is postponed, then we could ship out a lot of our older players, um, the players with contracts running down, like Eden Hazard, um, maybe picking one of William or Pedro, bringing in another winger, um, maybe a couple midfielders, making decisions on guys like Kovacic or Iguain, making decisions on guys like Giroud if we want him back next season or not, David Luiz. But if the band... If the ban, excuse me, doesn't get postponed, then we still have to make a decision on those players, but it comes at a cost. So let's say we don't re-sign David Luiz. Well, then we need to bring in someone from the loan army or the youth system to come in and, and, and deputize at center back. Um, if guys like Willian, uh, who also has a contract that's running down as well, what decision do we make on him? Do we prioritize Cho? Or, and Pulisic, who's, who's incoming this summer, whose transfer is not going to be affected whatsoever because um, that transfer happened in January. So we're in the clear for that one. But what happens with guys like Willian? Um, guys like Kovacic are stuck in a sticky situation. I think now that Zidane is the manager of Real Madrid again, Kovacic is definitely not going to be wearing uh, a Los Blancos jersey next season. I think that's pretty much set in stone. Cristiano's at Juve. So what does that mean for Gonzalo Higuain? We're really the only club that went in for Higuain. So I think that's an interesting situation to keep an eye on. But I mean, overall, they had to do this. They had, FIFA had to turn around and say, hey, look, we're going to give you guys a hearing. We'll hear, we'll hear you out. And then we'll go from there. Because I remember in the group chat, was it was blowing up the day that, uh, that they made the decision about PSG. I mean, how long did it take? Maybe like two or three days, right? Something like that, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. But, I mean, that's just such bullshit. So, like Sam said, people did shoot themselves in the foot. And I feel like this is them trying to, like, stay legally uh, appropriate in in terms of the way that they're treating this situation. But, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. It's two weeks out from now, and right now that's, like, the bit – you know when you watch like those childhood movies where it shows like a calendar and like they put a big circle around the big day? Well, that's the big day for us. It's like <laughs> finding out what happens on that day because it's obviously not going to get overturned, but Chelsea's mm. action after that, a- after they plead their case, is going to be a defining moment because we are going to go to the court of arbitration and how fast they're going to respond, I'm not too sure, but depending on Chelsea's reaction after they plead their case, will pretty much give an indication of where the club's heading going into the summer transfer window. Uh, and this is this wasn't in, in the script, but something that was kind of important to talk about. Andreas Christensen gave a quote to uh, this Danish newspaper, Extra Bladet, something like that. Um, he said, he mentioned pretty much that Chelsea cannot appeal the case and therefore they want to keep all their players. Um, so... I mean, judging from this quote, it seems like, I mean, this is nothing official, but it appears that Chelsea's transfer policy this summer will be to not allow anyone to go. Um, I mean, obviously this has huge implications for Eden Hazard. Uh, we, we've thought this, the, I mean, throughout the whole entire season, but more recently in the past several months, that it's a guarantee that he's gone. He's, he's going to be in Real Madrid this summer. But, uh, I mean... The, that that statement from Christensen kind of changes my perspective a little bit because I mean Chelsea does know that they can't bring anyone in for I think what was the ban for two two uh or two, two windows yeah, two windows so 
I mean, it does kind of make sense that they would want to keep all their players because they can't bring anyone else in. But I don't know. I think I think with Hazard, it's a little bit it's a little bit different story than with Christensen because we are thin at center back. But I mean, we have Cho coming up, and he. I mean, I, 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 he hasn't played much left wing for us. But today in the England match, he started off on the right wing and then switched over with Raheem Sterling later. And once he switched over to the left side, I mean, that that's when his full potential was untapped. And you really saw his 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 peak or his possible peak. Um, so, I mean, having him coming in and replacing him wouldn't be necessarily such a bad thing. And then also, obviously, uh, Pulisic coming in. So I think... With that position, who's, left... who's also a natural right winger, so I mean, I guess that that part kind of works out. Right, right. So I mean, and then also, I mean, there's there's been talks about Willian probably getting a contract renewal. Um, I think maybe we should just start getting into that because that's that might some have some implications if he stays. Maybe that is another sign that Eden Hazard is out. Um, so the club hasn't offered him a new contract yet, but he has has expressed his intentions. And he wants to re-sign. He, he's quoted saying that, I have one year left, but of course I want to play for this club. I don't know if they want me, but of course I want to continue here. This club is very special to me. I want titles here. I have the affection from the fans and from the people that work in the club. I mean, everything he says in the statement is 100% facts. It's 100% true. But um, again, this, this pending uh, transfer ban it has a lot of implications on whether this deal actually is done or not. Uh, Zach, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this possible deal? Do you think it gets done? Do you think it's a good idea? I mean, I hope it gets done. I, I like Willian. I'm one of the few that actually think that he brings value to the squad. Now, value to the squad, that's the key because I don't think that um, at 30 years old or, or whatever we've seen this season, at least that, that William could be a starter on a legitimate title contending team again. Um, especially if Eden Hazard decides to walk, um, in the summer. So I do think that I, I do think it's a good idea to resign him. You know, you bring him in, he could come in and play off the left more likely than not. Um, I could actually see him being our starter for the start of next season. If we do resign him just because he does bring that experience and that sort of, you know, uh, that that composure and big matches and because we refuse to play there. Cho, he's that's another form. reason. Zach, <laughs> no, no, no. I think you just made us lose half our half our listeners with that statement. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, he's not no. saying what he wants to happen. He's just saying what he thinks will happen. That's different. Well, I I don't mind re-signing him. I mean, but, but but here's the option: we're not going to go out and buy another winger because obviously, if the ban gets postponed, keep that in mind because there's other areas of the squad that need that that need uh that need to be paid atten- paid attention to more than winger. So I think if we re-sign William it'll tell the story of what happens with Pedro. Um I know we re-signed him on a one year but he's going to have what less than a year on his contract come the summer. He'll have like what 11 months or 12 months, about a year. So you know we could possibly look to move him on which will free up another slot. Um who knows, but I mean if you ask me I I'd, I'd like to keep William. I I say why not? Man, for me, for me, it just seems like an odd time. Uh, he he doesn't his contract doesn't end this summer or next summer. I don't think. I think he has two, like one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he does. His contract doesn't end this summer is basically what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I do think that his value to the team increases 
if Hazard leaves. I've, I've said this before a couple of times, but I just don't like having Hazard and Willian on the pitch at the same time because they do much of the same things. But every time that we've seen Willian play on the left wing from the beginning with, uh, you know, decent teammates around him, he's looked pretty good. And so if he is to sign a new contract, to me, that's more of a sign of what Hazard hasn't done, which is put pen to paper. Uh, I know, Sam, you mentioned that Christensen said that, oh, you know, Chelsea's trying to keep every player. And I just think that's a very good political answer on his behalf. He knows that he has a good standing on the team. And if he were to say anything else, that just makes him look like a dick, honestly. By him saying that, he's he looks good to his teammates. He looks good to the club. Like, that was just a very professional response. So, to me, this contract renewal talk means more about the hazard thing. Because, like Zach said, Willian would be one of our most uh, experienced players in the Premier League going into a season where we're going to have a lot of young players most likely in the squad. So it to me, it's more telling about the hazard situation than the Pedro one. I just don't know if the timing is right. I, I, I would hold these conversations until the the ban situation is a little bit more figured out. We're not racing against the clock here with a Willian contract. Yeah, but the, the thing is, again, um, I, I really do think that keeping Willian for this next year I mean, even though he's, he's already under contract. So like you said, Andres, I kind of agree. That's like, this is not a pending issue that needs to be, you know, addressed because I think our team's going to look completely different a year from now. Uh, I mean, I really... Whether there's a ban or not. Yeah, yeah that's... I mean, I mean, I think especially if there is a ban. And, and I think everything from now on that I'm going to discuss, it's going to be with the assumption that the ban is going to be upheld for... Uh, I mean, maybe maybe we'll we will still get this this summer, but if that's not the case, then I mean, I really think that William keeping him would be good to have him for the second unit because I really have fallen in love with Cho after this these last two England matches, and I think our future is 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 him on the left side and Pulisic on the right side, and I don't know what's gonna happen with Pedro. I think he's more likely to to be shipped out. Um, if, if anyone, uh, but I mean, if we were going to, if we were going to keep William, I think that his role would be to, I mean, in, in my, in the perfect world, his role would be to be, to be like switching off with Cho just to, you know, like we said, having competition. So Cho doesn't feel comfortable that he has that position. But for me, I think Cho needs to be that number one guy on the left wing. I, I mean, I want, I, I want to, I'd like to talk about his his two matches for England this this past week the first match he came in uh into a match that was well won uh but he, and he took a shot that was saved but deflected back in by a Chelsea low knee actually and the longest serving Chelsea player in that match uh Thomas Callis who Zach Zach likes to call <laughs> him the man the myth the legend Thomas Callis but key uh, player to that infamous Steven Gerrard slip game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Never forget. Yes, he was. He was. People forget. People forget yeah. that. But the match I really want to talk about that really got me going was was the match today where he actually started, and uh, and it, it it was honestly incredible. I mean, the funny thing is, uh, he 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 got a start for the England national team before he gets a start in the Premier League for Chelsea, which is unreal. 
Uh, Ryan, Ryan Baldy FW on Twitter, he, he tweeted out something that was incredible. Cho's minutes for Chelsea in the Premier League this season, 119 minutes. Cho's senior England minutes in the last four days, 110 minutes. <laughs> it's absolutely Ugh. unreal. I mean, <laughs> I read this one article uh, written by uh, Matt Law. He was talking about how <laughs> there was a quote from Sari talking about how he didn't watch the World Cup because how these players play in international, it's not it's not the same as how they're going to play in the club. I mean, I hope he watched this match because, like, this guy's got to open up his eyes and see what he's dealing with. Uh, I mean, I don't know uh, which one of you guys, if either of you guys were able to watch this match today. But, uh, I mean, just talking, I just want you guys to get your guys' opinion on being called up in general and him playing and, like, just just the insanity that comes with him getting more, almost as much playing time for England uh, than with us in the Premier League. Andreas, I'll start off with you. What do you think? Man, <clears throat> I mean, it's ridiculous. No matter how you say it, it's, how you see it, it's ridiculous. He's been in the team since August. We've had a, you know weird spell of games we've had congested schedule you would think by now with the amount of hype with the amount of production that he would have that number just like completely beat but it's frustrating isn't it like the fans see it gareth southgate sees it it i don't know what sorry what else sorry needs i'm sure i mean i don't know if you guys have seen chelsea's social media game in the past week but it's been all Hudson Adoy, oh, yep. so I'm sure the board, everyone is going to be telling Sorry that he has to play Cho against Cardiff because otherwise he will get lynched. So you're saying that Chelsea's social media team is smarter than our board and managerial positions? Is that what you're saying? Because I I wouldn't I disagree with that. I don't I don't think the, I don't think the board is the problem with the whole Cho thing because I. I I think it's obvious that the board have wanted him to succeed at Chelsea for, I mean, why wouldn't they? It, it doesn't make sense. It, it makes zero logical sense for the board to think that. But I mean, going back to the whole manager and sorry thing, we, we talked about it before, how managers don't like to rely or utilize the youth system at Chelsea because the merry-go-round here is you coach for what, between a year and a half to three years, and then you get the sack. So why would you waste your time on a young player that might not perform for you? Look, I he he got a call up for a reason. And I, I think it's two different things when you get called up to a national team and then when you actually perform once you're called upon. And he's done both of that, uh, both of those. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch today's match. Um, but I watched a match against uh, the other day against the Czech Republic, and he looked really good. And something about his game that, I mean, we saw glimpses of it, but we haven't really seen enough of him to, like, firmly uh, put a grasp on, like, or to firmly have a grasp on, okay, like, that's his go-to move. He loves to come inside when he's dribbling into the box. So he's backing his defender down into the box, and he does this thing where he just, like, does, like, this one-step, like, quick snapshot. Kind of like how some people take free kicks. William used to take his free kicks like that, where he wouldn't even back up that far. He'd just kind of take like one step and then just just flick it with the side of his foot really hard. And he's really good at that. And he did that for uh, Ross Barkley's goal, that he's, uh, his first goal that yep. he scored today. Um, but, I mean, that, the fact that it's an 18-year-old pulling off those kind of moves, I mean, 
it's very, very rare that you see someone that young doing that that type of thing because that's something that guys like Eden Hazard, uh, Raheem Sterling's pretty good at that dribbling at his, uh, dribbling and forcing his opponent to back up into his own 18 and then just kind of whipping it to the far post. Arian Robin made a whole career out of it. And the fact that we're seeing Cho do the same things tells wonders about the level of talent that he actually has. I mean, I'm really excited to see him get more playing time in a Chelsea team. And if he doesn't, Let's say this international break is ends and Sari still refuses to pick him, then I will officially be a part of the the Sari out brigade. But I mean, there's just too much talent there to be sitting on the bench for that long, especially in matches where we could definitely use that talent and we probably could have accumulated a few more points if he had gotten the playing time that he deserves. So and. I, I, I just don't know what to say anymore. He played on the right. He played on the left. Obviously, he looks way more comfortable on the left, and and with obvious like for obvious reasons, that's where he's mastered his movement and that sort of thing. But I can't remember whose um, whose tweet I saw, but it was something like, if he's on the left, he's gonna cut inside and kill you with a shot. If he's on the right, he's gonna still dri- dribble to his right foot towards the byline and then put put in a peach of a cross. So at this point, like. Whenever we have a potential future without Hazard, which technically opens up on the left, a spot on the left, or if you're thinking, oh, I need to move Willian on the left, then you have Cho compete with Pulisic on the right side, and you have two young talents fighting it out week to week to earn that spot, which can only make both of them better, which only benefits Chelsea in the long run. I agree with you that this international break should make Sari pick Hudson-Odoi for Cardiff, but we'll probably get some bullcrap about oh, he can't play three games in the span of 10 days. So, again, I'm going to keep myself grounded. As much as the hype has gone to a whole nother level after this week, at the end of the day, Sarri's still our manager. Yeah, I mean, for me, what I saw with Cho, it wasn't just his ability to score. Um, I mean, as you guys alluded to, his ability to cut back and, and, and be able to create goal opportunities. I mean... We, we're going to get into Ross Barkley in a second, but I think everyone here knows that that should have been Cho's goal. He kind of just redirected it in. Uh, I mean, that was that was all Cho. But um, he he made a like one amazing pass to Raheem Sterling that uh, he didn't finish off. But I think that his ability to create for other players is something that, I mean, I even think that <laughs> I, I might be speaking out of turn here, but. I think he his ability to create for other players is better than what Eden Hazard is able to do on that side. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he's a better player than him overall, but I'm just talking about that one specific uh as you know, I th- I still think Eden Hazard his pace is better, you know, his 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 ability on the ball is better, his his scoring ability is better, but um Cho isn't his potential of what he can be isn't so far off eden hazard in that aspect but i think he's a superior playmaker already right now so i mean i might be speaking a little bit too early but this is from what i've seen and i've seen yeah. very little i think i think so too I, I i think you're thinking out of turn some look like that's i mean which is fine because yeah, I, i've no. seen so little i have to make i have to make an opinion on what I've, from what i've seen i'm not i'm not i'm not like 
I'm not going to get mad that you made that claim. Like, I definitely think he has the potential to do something like that. But I think comparing Callum Hudson Adoy and Hazard is like apples and apples to oranges. I think I think Hudson Adoy has a level of selfishness that Eden Hazard has th- th- that we've always been asking Hazard to have, right? When he's in front of goal, he's absolutely ruthless. I know the uh, I, I follow them on Instagram. They're they're pretty cool. If you guys don't follow them, for whoever's listening, the F two footballers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Those guys are like loads of fun, super talented. They do like a lot of techers and stuff. But they have this awesome video with Hudson Adoy from last season, where it was basically finishing school, where uh, Hudson Adoy had his back to goal, top of the eighteen. They'd play him a ball. He'd take a touch, and then and and then he'd uh, he'd shoot it. Every single shot of his was ha- had power and accuracy. Everything in the top corner or bottom corner. Every single shot. I mean, you could just tell by watching that. 15 to 20 second snippet of him doing that drill that he has a more natural fit finishing ability than Hazard. I mean, there have been times where, where uh, Hazard has struggled to finish off uh, brilliant moves, but like his finishing isn't poor. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying Hazard is more of a natural playmaker. That's what he does. That's what he likes to do. He hears people telling him that he doesn't score enough, and he doesn't give a shit because he likes to set his teammates up. That's what he enjoys. I think I think Hudson Adoy has that level of arrogance and selfishness. I mean, maybe it's the youth um, and, and his age, but that's just a difference I see between the two players. And it's sad that more likely than not, one of them is going to go this summer because I would love to watch both of them play. I mean, just imagining Hazard setting up Hudson Adoy. Who's who's cutting in from the opposite flank, especially in this system where we have like these inverted wingers? Because Hudson Adoy's movement off the ball is really good as well. I mean, the fact that we haven't seen that yet is just sort of ridiculous. I mean, that that could be a starting like wing partnership. Yeah, for me, in speaking about what you said, Sam, it's the difference is when Eden puts his head down to dribble, he attracts four defenders immediately. So his job is already like ten times harder than the 18-year-old kid that is just hype on the internet before people even, like, there's no tape on Cho is what I'm trying to say. Like, even though, like we alluded to earlier, he's played like 100 total minutes in the Premier League. Yes, he's done a crap ton with the minutes he's gotten in the Europa League, but it's kind of like when you, to, to have a sports analogy, when you get a rookie quarterback and they're great, and then you have a sophomore slump after a full season of tape, I think, like, that's when we'll be able to really, um, judge Cho's playmaking ability once people realize like oh this kid's gonna try to dribble and he can dribble and they start Mm -hmm. double teaming or or kind of game planning around his ability to move with the ball is when we'll be able to make that kind of like for like uh comparison i i definitely i mean hazard this week for belgium had i think two goals and an assist or a goal and an assist for them to win one of their qualifiers so and, and the team that they played with was full of Belgium youngsters too so I I still think Hazard is at another level when it comes to playmaking but like like you said from the small bits of of uh of highlights that we got this week in in his international side he fits in like you don't if you remove his name and his age from like a bio and he just plays you're like damn that guy is probably like this is probably he's like 50th cap for England like he just came in and did his job like you would have zero clue that he's the little 18 year old who just now is stepping in to to wear the number 11 for England like I I thought he looked very mature he's still not perfect he still had some of his you know 
little mess ups. But I mean, when you're that happens when you're a winger and you put yourself in a situation where you want to take someone on, like you're not going to win those every single time. So um, I think his potential, we saw glimpses of his potential. We also saw what, what player, like what he can do when he's given kind of a little bit more freedom. So yeah, I I'm excited. I'm really excited about Joe. Yeah. I just want to say really quick, so, sorry to Go cut ahead. you off. Um, England's depth at the wing position is like FIFA-esque. It's kind of like when you when you do manager mode in FIFA and you just buy like all the sickest wingers from the Premier League. I mean, you got like <laughs> Raheem Sterling and Rashford. Those are probably your two starters if push comes to shove. And then you got Sancho and, and Hudson-Odoi. And all of those guys are under 25. And I, I think under 23. I mean, how old is Sterling? Is he 23 or 24? He's he's not. He's below 25. So he's definitely. I think he's like 23. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's 24. So I mean, that's that's just absolute like insanity in terms of depth. So in, England is definitely going to be uh, embarking on a new golden generation. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. And I think I think especially the, their their prize possession has got to be. Super Ross, aka Ross the Boss, <laughs> doing doing boss stuff. I mean that that that's exactly what he did today in the past couple the past couple of days. Um, he he provided an assist in both games, and this was actually the first time in his career that he provided an assist in consec in consecutive England appearances. Uh, and then he also scored today, which was uh, the first England goal that was scored and assisted by a Chelsea player since September uh, 2007. Uh, and that duo was Sean Wrights Phillips uh, scoring with a Joe Cole assist. Damn, that's a throwback. I never guess that. Very expensive, Sean Wright. Phillips. I know. I, I was going to ask you guys to guess. Deep but cuts. It, I was going to ask you guys to guess, but it's already on the script, so you guys already saw it. So that's <laughs> not fair. But. Um, Ross Barkley. My, my guess would have been something like Ashley Cole crossing it to Lampard or something. I, so, yeah, that, that would have been my yeah. guess too. Uh, Andreas, I want to ask you about this because I think you made a really, really good point earlier today about Ross Barkley. And it might not necessarily be 100% accurate, uh, accurate, but I think there is some credence in what you're saying. Uh uh you want you want to elaborate on what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah um and i guess while we're on the topic mark world right before we recorded was saying like oh did did we just see what two english youngsters will do when you don't have a manager like a manager who is giving you a thousand instructions into a game and he said it a lot nicer than I said. I said that Sari was trying to shove too much information into Barkley's pea-sized brain. And that's probably to the disservice of Barkley. But yeah, when you're when these international sides, they're not um, you know, they're Garrett Southgate's job is not to implement a philosophy of football. He is given a group and he has to get the best out of them in a short amount of time. So you, you put out a formation, you put out a general idea, and then you trust on these players to, to make things happen. And, I mean, we, like you said, we saw Barkley had an amazing game. And I know that England's competition this week wasn't great, but he looked confident. Um, he was taking set pieces, and his assist to, to, to Keane was just a peach. Like, <laughs> let's have him take some of our uh, set pieces when he's on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Um he was making good passes. He was making good runs. 
Cho on the other side. Like he was finding Sancho, he was finding Kane. Like he was making good movements. Obviously, that shot that led to the Barkley goal, senior like. So, is Sorry at this point just trying to get them to think too much to the point where they're like, is this situation 14B asterisk <laughs> slash like audible too? Like, I mean, Andrea they, saying it's, it's football. Saying this stuff is not discrediting Ross Barkley at all because. I mean, I'm not. I'm sure if you asked him yourself, would you ask him, is is he, uh, you know, is he is he a, uh, wow, I don't know, I'm forgetting the word, like a cognitive player, like does is is that his is that his strength? No, his strength is is smashing the shit out of the ball into the back of the net and just being, you know, a- athletic, uh, you know, so that that, that tr- making him make decisions like that when that's not his skill set. Like you're holding him back from what he's really good at, and that's just smashing the ball into the net. Uh, and he did that. He did that the past two right. games. Right. So and, and that's the other yeah. thing. Like I know Sari has his ways, and you know we're from Napoli, and he's yet to like fully adapt to to the English team and specifically who he has at Chelsea. But you know, old Gunnar Solskjaer at United is getting so much credit for for what's going on there. And it's not like he revolutionized the game. He just kind of took off the shackles, and he's letting yeah. those guys play, and it's I working think, out for the best. And and I, that's kind of what Gareth Southgate did with this English side. And, and, I mean, yes, they played Montenegro, I think, today. But, hell, they looked good. Barkley looked like he didn't have to think too much. Like, it just came to him. Like, And that's what you kind of want out of your players, isn't it? Like, for what you coach and preach to just be – second nature to them on the pitch like if you if you have a player out there that's like scared to receive the ball because he doesn't know what he's going to do next like that that's not that's not the point like you'll never see fluid soccer that way or football that way you'll never see your tactics in play because like i said they're they're thinking through like a bible-sized tactical approach when they have like a half second to get something done so that's how I feel about why these players succeeded so much this time around with, uh, with England internationally. You know, I, I, I think there is a lot of credence to what you're saying to steal Psalms word. I like that word. Actually, I'm going to start using it more, but yeah. Um, and Creed is also think... an amazing band too. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. They're, they're almost as good as Nickelback. Yeah. Um, so I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. I'm um, going back to Ross. So, I think the thing with Maurizio Sarri, and we talk about it a lot on this podcast, but I think it's interesting that we haven't heard Sarri mention it himself. Whenever we talk about um, the lack of runs coming from the midfield, the lack of late runners into the box, like that Lampard-esque run, right, where you're just kind of trailing the whole play, and if the ball slips through to you, boom, you're right there in and around the penalty area just smashing it into the back of the net, which is exactly what Barkley did for the second goal. Like, look what happened. I I don't know if it was a botched cross or not. I can't remember. But Ross Barkley is just kind of hanging out at the top of the box. And if you keep your eye on him throughout the whole entire, like, buildup, he's just kind of standing there at the top of the box just waiting. Like, he knows if that ball gets spit out back to him, he's going to be basically a tap-in for him. Uh, that's basically as good as a tap-in for a professional. But I think what Maurizio Sarri does with Ross Barkley and the reason why he doesn't perform in a Chelsea kid is because – like I said earlier, we talk about those late runs, but we never hear Sari mention it. And I feel like Sari specifically instructs his midfield to not make to not make those runs into the box because that's what the inverted winger's job is. 
to make those runs. And Sari never talks about, oh, well, you know, our number 10 isn't producing. We're not getting enough goals from the midfield. We're not getting enough assists from the midfield. He hasn't mentioned that once. The only thing he mentions is we're not moving the ball fast enough. That's it. So it's clear to me at least, and maybe you guys feel the same whether you do or not. I mean, this is how I see it. I just don't see Maurizio Sarri going up to his midfield players like Kovacic, Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, the guys that play in the advanced positions, and be like, hey, look, you, your job is to make those late runs into the box and just smash cutbacks into the back of the net. I don't think that's what the system's built for. And it's interesting because we see that happen all the time with teams that have similar playing styles to us, like Man City, like Pep's Barcelona. The possession-based teams, I mean, they thrive off cutbacks and they have midfielders like David Silva, like Kevin De Bruyne, when Bernardo Silva plays in the middle of uh, uh, of, uh, of their midfield as well, he plays like that pseudo 8 slash 10 role. I mean, they get goals in, in and around those areas. Ross Barkley's performances in the last two games are kind of like the epitome of what happens when you take the shackles off and you run into the box. You just just get your body into the box. Commit guys forward, and eventually the ball will find you. And like it did for Callum Hudson Adoy's goal, that shot was probably on target. I don't know if it was going to go in the back of the net or not. But Ross Barkley made a run into the box, pulled defenders out of position, and got a tap in off of it. And then today, standing at the top at the top of the box, just probing, botched cross, diagonal right back to him, and it just kind of worked out. He smashed it in the back of the net. I don't think Maurizio Sarri is telling these players to make those runs into the box, and that's my point. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been the one on this podcast that shit on Barkley more than anybody. I will admit that. I don't think – I still don't think he's right for Chelsea at this moment, at this very moment um, because of the manager. If we bring someone in who's going to change the way we play, maybe take the shackles off, let these guys express themselves because that's why we all fell in love with football because it's a game of expression, right? And – if, if he's able to express himself, then he could actually produce. And he might even be, you know, uh, uh, a future option for us, you know, three, four, five years down the line. Maybe it's him and Loftus-Cheek competing for that spot for, you know, five, six years straight. Who knows? But I just don't see Sorry giving that direction to the players to make those runs into the box. Just to kind of piggyback on on what Andres was saying because – yeah, every every single match where, where where I'm working on a script and and we're doing match reviews, I always look at the touches in the box as a stat because I just find it interesting and 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 that's a very good barometer of how quickly or how well we move the ball in possession. And Ross Barkley, you'll be hard pressed to find a match where Ross Barkley made more than four runs inside the inside the opposition box or even four touches for that matter. So, you know what? You know what? I've officially made my decision i'm i'm done i'm through with sorry ball any system that holds back the greatness of ross barkley a once in a generation (laughs) lifetime is the wrong system i mean it won't it just won't work if you're holding back a guy like ross barkley there's no reason to play that kind of football because it's the wrong type of football uh but i we we also got a couple questions on twitter i should have brought this one up before we started talking about ross and uh cho but at Dylan Lee 4, he asks uh, on our general thoughts on how well Barkley and Cho played for England. But um, I think the more pr- pressing question kind of based off that is why do you think they played so well so well with, with such minimal time with the national team? And I think, I think we also answered that a little bit just because there isn't 
necessarily a philosophy that Southgate's trying to implement with his national team that Sarri's doing with Chelsea and that that might be holding them back a little bit and if that's the case I'm official sorry out I'm sorry guys sorry out yeah Uh, (laughs) and and like I said sometimes less is more um yeah uh, like just again we we're seeing it in United like they were overly managed to to sit back and defend under Mourinho and everyone saw that there's talent in that squad and I think it's the same way with us like we don't have an awful squad like Mm -hmm. it's not so bad that we can't be fighting for top four yeah. It's not good enough to win the league, but it, it shouldn't be to the point where we're like Struggling putting all our results in against, the Europa yeah, League basket. Exactly. So to me, it's that like, you know, sometimes you need to let these kids play like Pogba specifically had all, like awful numbers under Mourinho. And then five games into into old Gunnar Solskjaer, he had like matched, if not beaten his numbers for the beginning of the season. And I think now he's in double digits goals and assists at center midfield, not as a number 10 at center midfield. So again, it's like you said, we're limiting. We need these midfielders to get into the box because our front three is not scoring and Loftus cheek and Barkley have a good shot in them. And if they get in the box, they're most likely going to put a shot on target, if not put it in the back of the net. And, and Loftus Cheek is the only midfielder that makes those runs into the box, and I, and and the thing is, we don't even know if Sorry's telling him to do that or exactly. not because it's like that typical Loftus Cheek run where he picks up the ball, beats two or three defenders, shrugs off a challenge, and finds himself in the box. Yeah, like that's the, like, six, like that's just what he does. Already going full throttle. Good luck stopping him. Yeah, there's no way he's hitting ball back. Yeah, no way. Yeah. So the next question we got is from Ron, aka at. Bone Daddy Cool, aka at Bone Daddy Deluxe, <laughs> aka at Bone Daddy Supreme. Um, he asks. It sounds like a brothel. <laughs> oh God. No, he sounds like, like the owner of the brothel. It sounds like something you could order at a brothel. It's like, hey, could I get a Bone Daddy? <laughs> no, we only we only have the Bone Daddy Deluxe today. So Bone Daddy's fifty percent off on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so he wants to New ask. Fast food chain. <laughs> he, he asks. Uh, he wants to know our opinion on the new kit leaks, uh, just for fun, and what what our favorite ones out of the bunch were. I, I really like the 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 third the third kit, oh, the one yeah. with the black and orange one, because I'm a Bengals fan, so that's that matches my Bengals colors. So maybe I could like, you know, wear a Bengals jersey with the with a you know third <laughs> third uh kit hoodie or something over it. That'd be really well, cool. I almost I almost forgot the Bengals existed. Yeah, me too. Uh, together. Yeah. I, I I think that's the nicest jersey too. I mean, in, in terms of color, at least, like that's one of my favorite away kit combinations. It's like that dark black with that highlighter orange. I just think it's stunning. It, right. it looks so it looks so nice. Better than the yellows, I'll say that. Man, what? No, I'm no, a fan no, of no, the no. Yellows, I love man. the yellows. Yeah. You guys sw- you guys change your mind every week. I that's feel like. the only that's the only kit that we got right this year was the yellow one. I feel like. Man, I don't know, but uh, Sam, what you were saying about the Bengals probably made uh, one of our listeners Aurelius really happy. He's like a diehard Bengals fan. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sure he's listening and he's gonna Yo. he's gonna like that. Who so, day? <laughs> for for me, I guess I haven't really seen the leaks and there's just like such a zoomed in thing that I can't make my final judgment. I definitely like the black and orange because it reminds me of I think 2010 when we had that as a third kit. But I wanted to ask you guys like in recent history, like what is your favorite kit? Like 
for us. Like, let's say Ever? in the past, like, let's say the Roman Abramovich era, like, what was your favorite kit for Chelsea? Mm. I really like those white ones that had, like, the baby blue stripe on it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had, like, that I really light that. baby blue stripe. That's, like, one of my favorite color combinations. And I actually have oh. that kit. Oh, the, the diagonal sash kind yeah, of thing? It's, yeah, it's like a diagonal stripe. I love the gold trim on our uh, home kit the year after we won the Champions League. I just thought yeah. that was a stunning look in itself. That was pretty sick. My, I think my favorite one was, uh, I think it was under Ancelotti. It was like, uh, like a, it was all blue, but it had these like weird patches and it, and it, it looked like it had a zipper where, where like the buttons usually go, but it was just this little plastic tab. I don't know what it was about that kit. And I never got to buy it. And I, to this day, I'm still looking for it online to get a, a 13 Balak on it. Like, <laughs> That is my uh, my favorite kit for Chelsea all the time. I, and there's thing favorite like, kit too, with the Balak on the back of it. <laughs> there's literally no special thing about it, like nothing crazy. Um, and then, of course, just for memorabilia's sake, my 2012 uh, blue home kit, and that's mm. for obvious reasons. But, mm, yeah. yeah, special place in my heart. All right, so we got a couple matches coming up uh, this, in the next week. Uh First, we're going to be playing at Cardiff, uh, Cardiff City Stadium on the 31st. Right now, Cardiff is sitting 18th in the table in relegation zone with 28 points, uh, but they're only two points away from safety as well. So very important match for them. Right now, they're tied for the third worst defense in the Premier League with 57 goals allowed. They've won three of their last six fixtures, including six of their seven-team home fixtures in all competitions. Um... So, I, I, I'm going to ask you guys, what do we need to win this match? I mean, it should be an in-the-bag match, but as you guys know, with Chelsea, nothing is a given. Zach, I'll start <laughs> off with you. What do you think? We talked about it before the Everton match, at how good they were at set pieces, and they eventually got a goal off of one, let alone, a, a, I mean, even though it was a corner that just kind of turned into a squabble in the box, the, the set pieces still hurt us. And uh, 10 of their 27 goals this season have come from set pieces. Granted, two of those were penalties. Um, But the point is we failed to uh, stop Everton from – or we failed to uh, not concede silly set pieces against Everton. um, And we got punished for it. And teams like Cardiff will do that, especially at this stage of the season. Like, I know – I know playing a team like Cardiff, most Chelsea fans look at it and go, okay, that's a schedule win. But at this stage of the season, like Sam said, they're two points from safety. These are the scariest teams to play. The ones that are the close, the ones that are either really close to the top four or competing for top four, or the teams that are fighting to stay in the league, the teams that are desperate. That's usually when they put together their best performances. So, I mean, for me, it's a set pieces because they don't really have any other options in terms of the attack. They don't play possession style football. Um, they don't play pretty football by any means, and I feel like the only way they could really hurt us is by hitting us on the counter, hitting the deck, and then creating set-piece opportunities in and around the 18-yard box. Yeah, I mean, for these games, it's just not falling into the trap of having all 10 of your field players like completely sucked into their side of the ball because we all know they're going to park the bus. They will try to get the three points if they get any sort of counter attack, but in reality, they they are more than happy to get a nil nil, 
draw because, like uh, Zach mentioned, they need to get every single point possible until the end of the season. Um, yeah, set pieces are an issue. They're an issue. Like, they've been an issue all year. That zonal marking is still not perfected. It does and, not work in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm not I'm sure. It just and, and, and the forwards that you see in the Premier League are these big, butch, like, strong, like, giants. Like, I don't know if in Italy they're not the same. So you need to be botting them and literally making it impossible for them to move inside that box or they will hurt you. So for me, the key, honestly, is to get an early goal. Every time we get an early goal, I feel confident that this game will last, like will fly by and that we'll probably score two more. So if you can give us, if Chelsea can get a goal in the first 20 minutes to where Brighton has to, or not Brighton, sorry, Cardiff has to actually come out and like get a result themselves instead of wait for 90 minutes till the final whistle, then we'll be in good hands. I think that's an interesting point you make about the whole zonal marking thing. I fucking hate it. I don't think it works in the Premier League at all. I think it's different in Italy because oftentimes you do play with smaller center backs. Size isn't really as much of a factor. But the Premier League, think about it this way. The last two opponents that we played, both of our match previews consisted of limiting set-piece opportunities, teams that score a significant amount of goals off set-pieces. We're going to get on to Brighton, who also scores goals off set-pieces as well with, with Glenn Murray, who doesn't seem to to, to retire ever. Um, but I just want to mention really quick, um, Sam talked about it, like no game is guaranteed, right? Like no game is a given. And I just, I, I have an interesting stat here. So, as of January 1st, so since the new year began, we're 13th in the Premier League form table with Cardiff Jeez. only four places back. So Cardiff is 17th in the Premier League form table since the new year. We're 13th, only four places. We have a negative five goal differential, which is god-awful. And Cardiff only have negative 11. So <laughs> when you look at it, there's not really that much of a difference between us and Cardiff. Oh if you're God. looking at uh, that small sample size of January 1st through the end of March. Wow. There's really not much of a difference between us and Cardiff. Wow. That that is an understatement, man. Yeah. We're no we we are no better than Cardiff. That's that's I'll put it that way. Cardiff is probably <laughs> better than us right now. <laughs> uh but what kind of lineup would you guys like to see in this match? Andreas, I'll start off with you. Um one requirement let Cho play. Yeah. Just let him play after this week. And like all the media, like um, I hope that also Loftus cheek starts. He's been kind of rehabbing the past two weeks, trying to get everything sorted. And he's played so well for us that he earned it. Um, and again, because we're playing a team that's going to park the bus, we need a little bit more firepower moving forward than what Kovacic brings to the table and even what Barkley brings to the table, because as we mentioned before, like something about playing four sorry makes him overthink what he needs to do with the ball. So I would like to see the hyphenated names start. Um, I'll take I'll take the consolation if maybe um, Christensen starts since Rudiger did travel with the Germany team. But uh, besides that, I, I really don't think we'll see any surprises. I really do think that the Chelsea hierarchy is going to force sorry to start Cho. And uh, I guess we just kind of have to wait and see. So wait, hold on, real, real quick. So, Andreas, I liked what you said. Is is Cho and RLC are they the hyphens when they play together? Is that what oh, we're gonna yeah. call them? The hyphens? Oh the yeah. 
double barrel last names. Wow. The hyphenated names, baby. It's that yeah, they're the hyphen. Sorry, Zach, go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, no, I I agree with Andres. I mean, I, I know uh disagreeing brings and, and controversy usually makes for good podcasting, but I mean I can't argue with that. I'd like to see Christensen. I'd like to see Loftus Cheek and Cho. The one other thing I am gonna say is I also wanna see Emerson. I don't wanna see Marcus Alonso mm-hmm. and and hear some excuse about you know, this is why he played. Like, no, you you got to play Emerson in a game like this. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully we could take home the three points. Um, it's definitely a bottom half of the table duel. Uh, if you're looking at January 1st onward, 13 versus 17. So that's always fun. I mean, if, if Cho doesn't get a start in one of these two matches, I mean, sorry, he's going to get crucified. I mean, you will not hear the end of it. It's, it's, it's no. I don't think, I think it's out of his control at this point. Cho's mm-hmm. got to get a start in one of these two matches after this weekend. Um, so let's move on to the next match, uh, Chelsea versus Brighton. I believe this is a makeup match, correct, for the or postponed I from, so, the, yeah. from the FA Cup final. Um, so uh, or it was it was a Carabao Cup final. So uh, right now Brighton uh, sitting in 15th place right now, five points from safety. Uh, they're Three they've 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 won three games out of the fifteen matches on the road in the Premier League this this season. Again, this should be another typical case of taking care of business. But I don't want to repeat myself. But nothing is nothing is a given in this uh, this season for Chelsea. So again, I'll ask, what do we need to do to win this match? Zach, I'll start off with you. What do you think? Look out for the geezer. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned him early. 35-year-old Glenn Murray, who he's like the renaissance man. I mean, he's their leading scorer. He has 11 goals on the season, and I mean, as of late, he has been struggling, but so has Brighton. I mean, I know they have two wins on the spin, but they had three straight losses before that. Um, He only has one goal in his last five, but the point I'm going to make here is that they like to play 4-3-3. They like to play with wingers. It's usually guys like Esquerdo and Knockard out on the wings. They're not the flashiest names. They're not the most glamorous footballers, but they're workhorses, and they get up and down the pitch, and they will look to exploit that space in between our wingers and our fullbacks, and they like to play early crosses into the box, and Glenn Murray is an expert in the air. So if he gets any sniff of the ball with a half-decent cross, the chances are it's going to be on target. So we just got to defend our penalty area um as well as we can and, and limit their wingers from getting on the ball into space. What about you, Andres? Yeah, I, I, same thing as the previous game. Um, they're obviously going to be putting crosses into Glenn Mary if they can possess it that deep into our half. Any chance they can get a corner. Again, he is like the prototypical forward I just described earlier where he's like a big, meaty, butch, freaking physical figure. And, with a bald spot. Yeah, right. And he just – didn't he score on us last time? Like, am I, am I wrong to think that he almost did? I think or he, he, was he, like scored, he scored against dangerous? us when he, was at, uh, when he was at Bournemouth. Remember he scored the winner? Oh, man. I don't know. When but the point it? is, like, he, yeah. he is just a pain in the ass for, for teams that are bad in the air like us. So – Obviously, Zach mentioned he is the key, and and again, just lower the amount of time that we give them, like lower the amount of times we give them a corner, and again, don't get so sucked in because Isquierdo, he's pretty quick, and and if we give them enough chance to like have a counter, 
Pascal Gross like has a good pass on him, so he could play a mean through ball and, and just mm-hmm. screw us over. So to me, just like in the last time, it, it all comes down to what we do. If we can get that early goal, like and that's how I feel about any game we play. Like when we score first, we are just such a different team, and it, it means so much more in these last in these winnable games. Because these are the ones where we love to screw up. It's not the big ones where all the lights are on us. It's like these little like mid-table, lower-table games. So I'm hoping that after this international break, like every Chelsea player is on it and are really just trying to like take the rest of the season by the scruff of the neck because that's the kind of attitude we need, especially with like all the weird stuff going on with the transfer ban and obviously the negativity surrounding the manager. Like, it all comes down to mentality and who wants it more. And it's time for Chelsea to show that they want it more than these two sides. Yeah. And by the way, Glenn Murray scored on us in uh, January of 2017. So there you go. Oh, Andy scored against us in 2015 when Jose Mourinho was our manager, oh, both boy. of them for Bournemouth. Um, so he's got that nose uh, for, for our, for our team. But you know, the thing that I've, I'm a little bit offended that you guys haven't brought up um Brighton's best player and their secret weapon, Ali Reza Jahan Bakhsh, finally last game against Crystal Palace played his first ninety minutes uh, full game um, since November third. Um, so he's back from injury, and I mean I don't know about you guys, but I'm terrified about <laughs> I'm terrified of him. <laughs> yeah, you you traveled all the way to our listeners don't know this, but you traveled all the way to Russia last summer to watch the World Cup specifically for Ali Reza Jahangbash. Right? Yeah, I mean he's he's, <laughs> he's the greatest Iranian player out there right now. Um I mean, I think that the rest of the Premier League really slept on him when uh when Brighton was able to nab him and They've been hiding him. I, th- I think. I think that. I think they fabricated his. <laughs> it's a nice his ham- way to put. I think they've been fabricating his uh, hamstring injury, and he's been okay. But they just didn't want the world to know about the truth. I mean, he's had zero goals, zero assists this year as a winger, but lethal. But <laughs> hey, it's it's only until it's it's it's. I'll make a prediction that he scores against us. Okay, oh, that's God. my that's my bold prediction. Wow. <laughs> Wow, so you let your you let your Iranian pride overshadow judgment here. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh-huh. But I didn't ask I didn't ask about prediction for the last match, but how about this? I'll ask how many points do we walk away after these two matches? Out of the full six, Ooh. how many do you see us walking away with? We better get six. <laughs> I don't want to think about anything. Like, yeah. I, I, oh my god, I'm still so mad about that Everton match. Like, if these players just think that we forgot about it, oh my god. I tried to forget better, about it. I tried. They best, better but, get six points. Like at this point, what's what? It, if you have to give it a percentage, a if you have to give it a percentage of probability out of a hundred for six you, points, yeah, for six points, I say like seventy percent. They're like seventy percent. I'm going eighty-two percent because I feel like one of these two games, Hudson and is going to start, and uh, Brighton is at the bridge and he kills it at the bridge. So, yeah, I I say eighty-two percent just because of like what um, sorry may be forced to do. I mean, our home record isn't as bad. I think it's our away form that like really kills us in general. So, I mean, I think three points is a lock between the two games. Percentage, I'm going to go 81 for Kobe. Um, I, I, I feel like there's a good chance 
to uh, take six points out of this. But the thing is, we don't know what Chelsea's going to show up. Like, that's that's like the whole, you know, cause of our uh, of our I, 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 don't, I don't know, like the right word, but like our disillusionment at the team is because we are so fucking inconsistent night in and night out. I also want to mention that I'm really curious to see what squads or what teams sorry puts together heading in for the run-in for the rest of april because in the month of april we have one two three four five six seven matches um and our longest break between matches is six days which is between our last two matches burnley at home on the 22nd united at old trafford and i mean we play west ham at home slavia prague away that's three days apart then three days after Slavia Prague on the 14th, we play Liverpool at Anfield. Four days after that, we play Prague again at home, second leg. Then Burnley four days after that at home. And then six days after that, we go to Old Trafford. So he has to keep in mind it's the end of the season. The players are the, – they did look fatigued. So I'm just curious to see how he – or they did look fatigued going into the international break, excuse me. So I'm just curious curious to see how he, how he handles that and – what sides he puts out, and if we are going to see the likes of Ethan Ampadu and uh, some of those other peripheral players that we don't really see much of in generals. Yeah, I think that's it, Zach. Nice. Cool. So, um, yeah, th- th- that's the end of this week's pod, guys. Uh, we hope you really enjoyed it. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at Roman's Empire Pod. Also, uh, shout-out to Nick Lenartson. He was the first fan to ask for our email. And I wanted to reply to him, well, make sure you listen all the way through on our podcast because I always mention it at the end, but I didn't. I was nice. So Nick Lenartson, our email is romansempirepod at gmail.com. Listen, I know we have a lot of people contributing. Every week we seem to get more and more questions for the pod. I mean, barring the international break because nobody's active on Twitter during that time. But, um, yeah, make sure you guys reach out to us. If you want us to talk about certain things, we are very, very open to it, and we are also more than willing to give shout-outs. So, Especially uh, in down weeks when there is where it's not set up for us. If there's something that you want mentioned that's been kind of in the back of your mind, like speak up. We talked about kits for like five minutes today. <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, we were really trying to pull teeth here. So anyways, guys, uh, I'm going to sign out. I got to eat dinner, and then uh, I haven't played FIFA in three days, and I'm kind of losing my mind. So I got to get back to my uh, Sunderland career mode. I'm bringing them to Champions League glory from the depths of League One. Nice. Um, But yeah, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.